Did you know that over 60,000 new tracks are uploaded to Spotify every single day? That's a new track every 1.4 seconds, and that's just on one platform. With so much music now available, it's more important than ever to stand out from the crowd. So it's not surprising that more artists are starting to use less conventional sonic textures in their music, like field recordings. Perhaps you've always wanted to infuse the sounds of nature or your favourite city into your own tracks, but not having the right gear or knowledge might have held you back. Well, if that's the case, you're going to love the brand new guide I just created, teaching you how to start field recording with just a smartphone. And it's all yours for free at femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel. Yep, you really do just need a humble smartphone and some minimal extra gear that doesn't have to break the bank to get started with field recording. And I've laid it all out in this handy five-point checklist. So download it for free at femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel and elevate your music to the next level. We often talk about synths pretty freely within music production, electronic music and live gig scenarios, but it doesn't necessarily mean we're well-versed in what synths actually do. Specifically, how sound is synthesised. Hello and welcome to Girls Twiddling Knobs. My name's Isabel and over the last decade, my self-produced and self-released music has amassed over 25 million Spotify streams. I also have a PhD in sonic arts, but I wasn't always this confident with music tech. In fact, I still hear those self-doubt gremlins in my head from time to time. I started this podcast to help more female-identifying musicians start recording and producing their music and learn from other women making music with technology. If that's your cup of tea, then you're in the right place, my friend. Let's dive in. Recently, someone inside the Girls Twiddling Knobs podcast community asked me a great question. Is there a playlist for the podcast where people can check out the music from all the past guests? And I said, no, but there definitely should be. So we got to work over here at GTKHQ, and I'm delighted to share that the Girls Twiddling Knobs podcast playlist is now live on Spotify and is waiting for you to dive into right now. Whether you're curious to find out more about the wonderful women we've featured on the podcast so far, desperate for some music production inspiration, or committed to diversifying your listening material, this is the playlist you've been waiting for. Check it out right now at the link in the show notes. So on with this week's episode, Knob Twiddlers, which is all about sound synthesis. Now, I wanted to share this episode with you because we often talk about synths pretty freely within music production, electronic music and live gig scenarios, but it doesn't necessarily mean we're well versed in what synths actually do, specifically how sound is synthesised. So today, we're going to look at the fascinating process of sound synthesis, including what it is how it was developed, the women who have played a vital role in this technology, and then lastly, how you can get started incorporating it into your own music too. I'm also going to highlight one or two contemporary female artists doing interesting things with sound synthesis right now, and all of the music I mention in this episode of the podcast will be added to our fab new Girls Twiddling Knobs playlist too. 
So let's kick the discussion off with what sound synthesis actually is. Well, sound synthesis is the electronic production of sound where no acoustic source is used. An electric signal known as a sound wave is produced and when the signal is fed into an amplifier or loudspeaker, the sound becomes an acoustic signal which behaves like any other sound. Within this process, there are some fundamental components to consider. You will have likely already heard of some of these, but may not be totally clear on exactly what they do. So firstly, oscillators. As we just covered, synthesizers are used to generate sound. In order to do this, a synth instrument needs a generator of some sort, which in many cases are oscillators. The four most used waveforms generated by sound oscillators are a sine wave. This is a smooth, pure tone, which is often described as round and hollow. There's also the triangle wave, and this is similar to a sine wave, but with an added bite in the top end harmonics. There's also the sawtooth wave, and this has more of a fuzz and body and bite. And then lastly, the square wave, and this has a more hollow, metallic and bright character. Each waveform has a spectrum of partial tones associated with it. Basically, lots of different sounds go into defining the quality of any given sound. As you alter a waveform's shape, you can literally see this if you have a visual display of the sound wave, by the way. The partials themselves begin to rearrange, creating audible changes in the sound. Other waveforms do exist, but these are the four most commonly used in sound synthesis. Next, we have filters. So oscillators can create harmonically rich waveforms, which you can then craft with the use of filters to produce the synth sound that you want. They allow you to do this by adding or subtracting frequencies, like in audio equalization, for example. We also have amplifiers, and so these are circuits or components in synthesizers that allow you to adjust the gain of the synth. The amp itself can be controlled via a direct knob or slider on the synth interface or via other processes such as controllers and envelope generators that create ADSR envelopes. So what are envelopes? Well, ADSR stands for Attack, Decay, Sustain, Release and will significantly alter the character of a sound. So if you alter the attack, this is the sound from where it starts to its initial highest peak or transient. The decay is the fading of the sound from the highest peak to the sustain level. The sustain is the level at which the sound stays as long as the note is on. And the release is the level and speed at which the sound fades to silence after the note is switched off. The combination of these parameters is called an ADSR envelope. And you can think about it like you're posting a series of messages to your synth or computer about how you want to sculpt the sound wave using this envelope. There are many different types of sound synthesis, including additive synthesis, subtractive synthesis, FM or frequency modulation synthesis and granular synthesis. I could do a whole episode on each of these and I probably will in the future. But for now, let's just consider three main types of synthesizers. So synthesizers commonly come in the three main categories. So firstly, keyboard synthesizers. This is what we most commonly think of when discussing synths. In these synths, the controller is built into the unit, usually as a piano-style keyboard. 
Examples of these include the Arturia Mini Brute 2, the Moog Mini Moog and the Roland Jupiter 8. Next we have hardware synthesizer modules, what is also called modular synths. And these modular synth components have no built-in controllers, so they need to be controlled by an external controller using CV or MIDI or USB. The common feature is the ability to patch these synths, which is where cables are used to manually wire different filters, oscillators and more in order to program sound characteristics and patterns. Manufacturers include Moog Music, Dopefer, Music Electronic and Synthesis Technology too. And lastly, we have software synthesizers. And these are often shortened or abbreviated to soft synths. And these are virtual instruments that produce digital audio signals as a standalone program or plugin in a digital audio workstation and are usually controlled using a MIDI keyboard. You'll often find stock synth sounds in your door. So many software synthesizers will use a combination of different types of sound synthesis, such as additive and subtractive synths. And like I said, I think it's worth doing a whole other episode on the different types of sound synthesis. But hopefully this has given you a good overview of what sound synthesis is so that you can start using, at the very least, the soft synths that you likely already have inside your door. I'll share my top tips for getting started later on in this episode. But first, you might be curious as to exactly how we started synthesising sound. Well, the two biggest leaps in technology that would lead to the synthesis could be seen as Thaddeus Cahill's Telharmonium, which was invented in 1897, and the theremin, which was invented in 1928, um, the theremin being named after the inventor Leon Theremin, and these are often thought as the first examples of synthesizers. The Telharmonium was also called the Dynamophone and was a gigantic 200-tonne contraption built of dynamos that were intended to broadcast musical frequencies over telephone lines. The dynamos, precursors to the tone wheels to be used later in the Hammond organ, were specially geared shafts and inductors that produced alternating currents of different audio frequencies controlled by velocity-sensitive keyboards. Although the telharmonium was mostly unworkable, generating too strong a signal for telephone lines, it opened people's minds to the possibilities of electrically generated sound. Later on, the theremin consisted of two sensors allowing the player to control frequency and amplitude with hand gestures. And this was followed in the same year by the Martineau, which is very similar to the theremin in that it used vacuum tubes and produced continuous frequencies even those lying between conventional note pictures. It could be played in one of two ways, either by sliding a metal ring worn on the right-hand index finger in front of the keyboard or by depressing keys on the six-octave keyboard, making it easier to master than the theremin. The Hammond organ was invented in 1938 as an electric alternative to wind-driven pipe organs. And like the telharmonium, it used tone wheels, in this case producing harmonic combinations of frequencies that could be mixed by sliding drawbars mounted onto keyboards. Early sound synthesis involved recording and compiling sounds in new ways, and this technique formed the basis of the music concrete movement of the 1940s and the 50s as well. 
Over the first half of the 20th century, sound laboratories were set up to research and develop this technology, and the synthesizers used to do so were often very large and bulky and therefore very undomesticated. Among the first to create what we would recognise as a modern synthesizer was Don Buchler, who in 1964 released the Butler Music Box, and Robert Moog, who invented the Moog synthesizer, which combined multiple modular components together with a keyboard to form a commercially successful musical instrument. But what of the women who have pioneered electronic music and embraced sound synthesis in their work? Well, it must be said that there is now much more appreciation of the female pioneers of electronic music and sound synthesis. Two great resources to check out to learn more about this in greater detail is the fabulous documentary Sisters with Transistors and the docudrama Delia Derbyshire, The Myths and the Legendary Tapes, the latter of which you can watch right now for free on BBC iPlayer if you're listening from the UK. I've linked to both of these in the show notes. So here's some women you might want to check out. I won't go into loads of detail here, but we'll share links with more info in the show notes too. So in the UK, Daphne Oram was a co-founder of the BBC Radiophonic Workshop and later became the first woman to set up her own independent electronic studio. Fellow synth pioneer Delia Derbyshire also worked at the Radiophonic Workshop and too had a fascination with electronic sound. Debeshit is perhaps best known for engineering the Doctor Who theme. And we also did a wonderful episode all about Delia Derbyshire Day with Caro C. And you can check that out in the show notes too. Often referred to as America's first female synth hero, Suzanne Kiani has become synonymous with the Bukla synthesizers. Kiani was one of the few women working in sound design in the 1970s and is best known for creating the iconic Coca-Cola pop bubble fizz sound effect. And lastly, Laurie Spiegel worked at the famous Bell Labs, where she created her album The Expanding Universe in 1980, which has since been regarded as a synth classic. Spiegel had a fascination with technology and created one of the first music softwares, Music Mouse, in 1986. I want to just reiterate again, this is not an extensive list. There are more women I could have named. But it just goes to show that women have too contributed to the music and technology of sound synthesis. But what about contemporary women making music with synths? Well, there's loads. When you factor in the use of software synthesizers, it's probably easier to find musicians, women included, who aren't using synth sounds in their music. But there are some contemporary artists who particularly associate themselves with sound synthesis and synth instruments. One being a former guest to the podcast, Hannah Peel. Hannah was recently shortlisted for the 2021 Mercury Music Prize and has been consistently using synth instruments in her work. She describes her process of recycling synth sounds created by Delia Derbyshire herself for her 2021 Mercury shortlisted album, Fur Wave, inside episode 22 of the podcast. She also discusses how and why she likes to combine these electronic sounds with more traditional instruments too. So well worth a listen and I've left a link to that episode in the show notes. Another artist thoroughly embracing all things synths is the artist Georgia Rose Harriet Barnes, aka Georgia. Her album Seeking Thrills was also shortlisted for the Mercury Music Prize in 2020 and is steeped in layer upon layer of synths. 
She also has an impressive collection of synthesizers in her studio and seems to favour outboard gear rather than door plugins for building her sound. When we're thinking more broadly about new developments in sound synthesis, perhaps one of the biggest concerns of scientists and artists working in the 21st century has been how to make ever more realistic sounding synth instruments and how to spatially position these within a virtual environment. The former clearly gives artists and companies more capabilities for accessing a wider range of sound palettes in their work that is convincingly natural for a listener. And the latter, most notably transforming how we experience both films and games too. Creating sound experiences that are both realistic and immersive has been the focus of much recent research. One research project being the NESS project, standing for Next Generation Sound Synthesis. This project ran for five years beginning in January 2012 between the Acoustics and Audio Group and the Edinburgh Parallel Computing Centre, both at the University of Edinburgh. This was an exploratory project concerned entirely with synthetic sound and in particular numerical simulation techniques for physical modelling sound synthesis in parallel hardware. I've left a link to the NESS project in the show notes where you'll find more information including a collection of interesting videos summarising their areas of research too. And in terms of technology that's available to both you and me right now though, dear listener, Max MSP has to be one of the most powerful pieces of software to experiment with sound synthesis on the market. If you're interested in finding out more about the capabilities of Max, I highly recommend listening to episode 34 of the podcast with Melody Loveless, who teaches Max and shares what it's all about inside. But if you're totally new to using sound synthesis in your own music, and all the ideas, artists and principles I've shared in this episode have whetted your sound synthesis whistle, you might be asking how best to get started. So in this last part of the episode, let's look at three steps to start using synths in your own music. And in doing so, we'll kind of circle back to the beginning of this discussion, because it mainly involves becoming more confident with fundamental synthesis parameters, and then experimenting from there. So number one, start with a soft synth inside your door. I'm recommending this because most people listening to this episode will have access to a door on their phone or iPad at the very least, if not a computer. And when I say door, that's digital audio workstation, and that could be GarageBand, Logic, Ableton, Pro Tools. The list is nearly endless these days of the different software that you can use, some of which is free. So this is an easy and even free way to start experimenting with synth sounds. And after listening to this episode, you'll be familiar with many of the controls that you'll see when you open up a software synth. So load up GarageBand, Logic, Ableton or whatever you're using and then pick a MIDI synth instrument and load it up on a fresh new MIDI channel. If you have a MIDI controller like a keyboard, you can use this to play your soft synth, but even if you don't have one of these, some doors will also let you use your keypad. Step number two, start with a preset. So while you may not want to be wedded to using presets for the rest of your synth life, they can be a great place to start. A preset will have certain parameters already configured, such as the ADSR envelope or filter or delay, in order to produce a certain quality of sound. Click through the different presets and you'll hear a huge variety of different synth sounds. 
This should definitely spark your interest. And then step three, tweak your presets. By listening to the differences in these preset synth sounds and noting how each preset changes different parameters inside your synth instrument, you'll learn more about how to craft your own sound using a synth instrument. Then turn some knobs, move some sliders and listen to what happens. This will give you a good idea of what parameters or components in the synth contributes to which aspect of the synth sound created by the preset. Once you've followed these three steps, I guarantee you'll have so much more confidence, not only using a physical, digital or analogue synth, but also programming your own synth sounds inside your door too. And who knows, maybe you'll start getting interested in spatialising these synth sounds using spatial audio technologies, or doing something else entirely different. There really is so much sonic potential in sound synthesis. And of course, it's also totally fine to just want a good old 80s synth sound in the background of one of your tracks. Even just a little bit of synth can go a long way. So dear listener, I hope you enjoyed this short introduction to sound synthesis. We could have covered so much more, but I'm glad we had the chance to consider what sound synthesis is. The electronic production of sound, where a sound wave is produced and then made audible through an amplifier, usually in the form of a keyboard, modular or software synth. The technology behind sound synthesis evolved over the first half of the 21st century, with some remarkable women leading the way in terms of how it can be used aesthetically and some fantastic technological innovations too, such as Laurie Spiegel's Music Mouse Instrument. We also looked at contemporary artists working with sound synthesis and new directions in research and sound synthesis applications. And lastly, I gave you three steps that you can take right now, literally right now when you get off this episode, to start using synth sounds in your own music, based on the principles we covered in this episode. You may already be using synths in your music, and if that's the case... I hope this episode has filled in any gaps there may have been because, like I said at the top of this episode, we often use synths without really knowing exactly what sound synthesis is. And remember, there's now a Girls Twiddling Knobs playlist for you to explore, which I'll be adding tracks to from the artists mentioned in today's episode, so make sure you check out the link to that in the show notes. But that's it from me here on the podcast. I'll be back next week with another helping of Girls Twiddling Knobs goodness. But till then, take care and I'll catch you here soon. Girls Twiddling Knobs is hosted and produced by me, Isabel Anderson, with production support from Francesca O'Connor and is a female DIY musician production. So, how do you like that episode, dear listener? If you loved it, and you know someone else who would love it too, be a good friend and share it with them. Go on, spread the girls' twiddling knobs love.